Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. All right. Yemi, why don't you come on up? This morning we have the privilege of, of hearing God's word from Yemi. One of the things I appreciate about Yemi is he's always got a smile on his face. And, you know, when he, as he leads worship in this church, there's just a genuine joy of the Lord that exudes from this guy. And it's because, he's, it's because of a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And so um, I'm going to pray for Yemi as he's a little bit nervous, as you can imagine. And uh, we're going to open God's word together. So, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you this morning. For the privilege, God, just a, what an amazing privilege you've given us to, to open your word together and to hear from you. And God, we pray for Yemi right now that you would give him strength. Pray take any butterflies out of his stomach. God, I pray that your word would be clear to us today. And that you would give us open hearts and open ears to hear and receive your word with faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Johnny. Good morning, church. Wow, that was good. <laughs> uh, when, John, when John told me about um, this opportunity, I asked him, I said, uh, can, I, can I go African style on you guys? Um, you know, and if you don't know African style, it's this kind of preaching where it goes for hours and hours, <laughs> where the, the, the speaker preaches for like minimum uh, an hour. Um, and he was like, no, no. So <laughs> I have about 30, 20, 30 minutes. 20, okay. <laughs> uh, my name is Ariyemi. Um, I grew up in Nigeria, and uh, I came here when I was 17. That was uh, in 2007. So if you can do the math, you know what I am. Um, I'm, I'm a young, young baby boy. Um, so yeah, uh, today we're going to be talking about um, a passage that God has put on my heart, and I just wanted to share it with you guys. And um, uh, let's read the scriptures together. Um, it's, we're going to be reading from the book of Acts, chapter, chapter 12, verses 1 to 19. Acts, chapter 12, verses 1 to 19. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. It killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four scouts of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out of the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. It struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around, around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, 
They came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Then he realized this. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other's name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked on the, at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hands to be silent, he described to them how the Lord has brought him out of the prison and said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when they came, there was no little, when, when they came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and could not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you have not left us in the dark over things that happened in the past and how you have been working even from time began. Thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, we ask that this morning that you open our eyes, that you would teach us, that you would encourage us, that your Holy Spirit would convict us of where we need to repent, of where we need to, to change, that we will live here encouraged by your Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so like I said, today I'll be sharing from, we're going to be talking about this chapter, and most importantly, we're going to be talking about, um, about prayer, and it's something we've heard many times and over and over again. And um, but this, this, what, what brought me to this passage was, you know, just lately, just God, with everything that's happening in this world, God has given me just like a burden for the United States uh, to, to pray like before, before we complain, you know, to, to seek God in prayer. And um, I remember, you know, just wanting to, just wanting to pray, but I just felt like, you know, I, I didn't have... Um, what it took. It's so weird. But, um, but God is just leading on my heart to speak from Acts chapter 12 and uh, the impact of communal prayer, uh, especially from the church. And so uh, let's go, let's, let's do some uh, historical background about this, this Herod. Um, we're told uh, that this king, this Herod, laid his hands on, on the Christians at that time. Um, and we, this is actually Herod Agrippa I. Uh, he was the grandson of Herod the Great. And many of you, if you know Herod the Great, you know that this is the man that killed all the children under two because he wanted to kill Jesus. 
If you look in the book of like Matthew, the birth of Jesus, Herod the Great was one of uh, was he he hated the fact that there was going to be another king, and so this is the line of this Herod we're talking about here. Um, he was a friend of the imperial family, but supported uh, Gaius. So the way the Roman Empire worked, the the, the emperor um, was had much power over the Herods. And so when, when, um, when Agrippa sided with Gaius, he was thrown to jail uh, because there was, you know, people, they didn't like it then. Uh, and so as a successor of uh, Emperor Tiberius, he was in prison as a result. When, when Emperor Gaius became emperor, he then brought him out, he brought Agrippa out from, from the prison to make him uh, kind of like a puppet king over the, the areas surrounding Jerusalem and over the areas surrounding where the Jews were. And so he, Agrippa wanted to seek the favor of the people he was governing over. He, he, he took, and back then the Jews always thought like the Christians, those who professed that Jesus was was reason, and you know Jesus is God. They, they, you know, they just thought that was heresy, and so even the Jews um, hated the the new believers back then. And so uh, he wanted to appease these people, and so he took James, uh, one of the one of the apostles. Actually, James was the first apostle to die. I mean, Stephen was the first matter. How do you pronounce that? matter. Thank you. My wife always corrects my uh, pronunciation when, I, when it gets, gets something like that. But um, Stephen was the first matter, um, and, but James was the first apostle that was, that was killed uh, because of the gospel. And so, and if we all know the backstory, James, Peter, and John were the inner circle of friends of Jesus, and they were, they were the leaders among God's people at that time. And so he laid hands on James and took James out and you know, beheaded him. And then he was like, oh, okay, this, this worked well. You know, the Jews love this. So let's move to Peter. You know, let's, let's kill him. But there was one thing. Um, he, there was, it was during the, the feast of the Passover, the day of the unleavened bread. And the Jews would frown, really, if, uh, if someone was killed on, on, you know, during the Passover. And so he said, okay, let's... I'll keep him in prison for now, and after the Passover, I'll bring him out for trial, trial, and then kill him. And so that's, uh, that's the whole, that's, that's what's going on here in the beginning. And, uh, in verse 5, we read that, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made by, to God by the church. And, um, it's, you know, back then, the, it, back then it's, the church was starting to spread rapidly that they, they held meetings in each other's homes. And they, you know, it wasn't like a, a big cathedral like this. It was, you know, people met in homes. And if you had a big house, you opened your house and, you know, you know everyone comes, fellowship, eat, and then pray. But these people were praying intentionally. For Peter. They must have been praying for Peter's release 
And listen, I'm praying that God would be with him and God would rescue him with, with a mighty hand. And, um, you know, the one thing we see, one thing we see in the life of the early church was a great desire for fellowship and prayer. They didn't meet in church buildings, like I said. Uh, they, they met in each other's houses. And I want to highlight the, the word the, the scripture used when it says earnestly. You know, earnestly, it's, it's, when you say earnestly, it's not like just a cavalier matter. It's not like, a, okay, God, you know what's happening. You do it. Amen. This was intentional, intense prayer. I mean, when I looked at the word earnest again, like it was the word that the Bible used when Jesus was in the garden and was praying. Um, just before he, he was about to go to the cross, and the Bible said he prayed earnestly and his sweat were like the, the drops of blood. And so, you know, these people were praying earnestly that, I mean, we weren't told the, what they were praying about. But if we, if we think about it, it could have been that we were praying for Peter's release and well, for, for the church to grow, as we can see when they prayed in Acts 11. Um, so... Throughout the Bible, there is, there is a theme of, of prayer from God's people. And in St. Chronicles 7, 14, it says, um, I know many, many of us know it, if my people were called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face and pray, and I'll hear from heaven, I'll heal their land. And then, you know, it just goes on more after that. But here, I just wanted to call our attention to so praying together as a church, praying not just praying with a deep desire and praying for, for God's will to be done, praying that whatever uh, comes against, whatever tries to interfere with the, with the power of God, that, that things will be pushed away. We, we as a church, I want to encourage us and I pray that, we, that God will give us this burden to pray, to seek his face. But before we, before we delve more into this, uh, this prayer, uh, or about prayer, it is, it is good to have a very, a different, a clear, clear idea about God, because uh, that really influences our attitude as we pray. Because if we, if we think God does not answer prayer, then that affects our attitude when we pray. If we think God is just a distant God, He's over there and we're here, that affects how we pray because we think, well, what are the chances of Him hearing me? So I would like to go a little bit into um, some of the characters of God that, that has been revealed to us in Scripture. And the, the first point is God is omnibenevolent. Did I say that right? <laughs> Benevolent? All right, thanks. Uh, this means that God is all-loving, infinitely good. If God was not all-loving, if God is not all-loving or infinitely good, we're, we're, we're doomed. Like, because we're, at that point, we're praying to a wicked God that his intentions for us are not good. And then his intentions for us will be bad. And so what point, it, a prayer would do us more harm than good if God was not all-loving and all-good. But because God is all-good and all-loving, we know that he has good intentions for us. We know that his plans and his purposes 
are good. And if God was not a personal God, we would, we would, we would think, like I said earlier, having you, there's no way you can have a closeness with someone you think is far from you. That's just not possible. Like, that's not how relationships work. But because God is all loving, all caring, and infinitely good, we know that he hears us, he cares for us, and he acts. And the second uh, point I want to bring up is that God is omnipotent. God has all the powers. Nothing is beyond the reach of God. Nothing is beyond God's reach. Nothing is hard for him to do. And when I say omnipotent for my younger crowd, this means that God is all-powerful. That's what, that's what omnipotent means. Not just powerful, not that God is just powerful, but it's all-powerful, it's, it's infinitely powerful. And if God isn't all-powerful, then there may be something too difficult or impossible for him to do. But because he is all-powerful, nothing is difficult for him to do. In the book of Jeremiah 32, 27, here God asks a question, says, you know, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? In the book of Luke chapter 1, verse 27 of 37, even the angels declares like, hey, nothing, nothing is too hard for the Lord to do. And so it's, it's important to know that God is omnipotent and that influences the way we pray. We pray to a God who does exceedingly above anything we can ask or imagine. And that is the hope we have, that an all-loving God, an all-powerful God cares for us. It brings dead things to life. He has the power to forgive sins. He has the power to heal, to restore, to redeem. There's nothing impossible. I, I can say that forever. Because it, it, we need to go from a head knowledge of this to a heart knowledge. That this is who God is. And this is what he has revealed to us in scripture. The third point I want to bring up again is uh, the fact that God is omniscient. For my younger crowd again, omniscient means uh, that God is all-knowing. God knows all things even the desires of our hearts. Before we, you know, the Bible says, he, he knows what we say before we even speak it. And this is a God who, who knows the sinful desires of our heart, but still chooses to love us. The fact that God is all-knowing, omniscient, is also significant to the concept of prayer. If God were limited, and he will not know all that is happening in his creation. If this were the case, he might overlook our prayers because they may be beyond his knowledge. Fortunately, the Bible is clear that God knows everything. Psalm 139, 2 to 4, Psalm 147, 4 to 5, Isaiah 46, 10. And in relation to God's omniscience, Jesus said, Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So before we even utter anything, 
Even our needs, our deepest desires, God knows. The fourth and the, but not the last nature and attribute of God is that God is, is wise, holy, and imminent. Um, we know what wisdom is, that God is infinitely wise. Even, you know, the, the, the Bible says in Psalms that the, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisest of men. And this is, this is a God we serve that, that his, his wisdom is unimaginable. is just far above what we think or imagine. In the imminent character of God, as we see in Acts chapter 17, verse 25 to 28, Psalm 139, 1 to 10, and Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 31. Tells us that God is active in his creation. God is not like a man who creates a clock and winds it and watches it unwind. It is not as if God creates the universe and then turns his back on it and loses touch with it. Nor is it that God sits on his throne in heaven and watches the machine work by its own inner mechanism as a disinterested spectator. These are words by R.C. Sproul. God is not a powerless operator or inventor. Whatever God creates, he sustains. I'll say it again. Whatever God creates, he sustains. And nothing, nothing goes beyond the reach of God. Nothing goes beyond, nothing goes beyond his power. And this, this is one, one of the things I want to emphasize that even as we talk about prayer, as we talk about, about praying, that we, we need to focus our eyes on the person and the, and the person of Jesus Christ and who God is. And that influences us, that influences our prayers greatly. And I know some of you may be asking, well, if God knows everything, and if God does everything, if it's all powerful, then why do we, why do we pray? What's the point? If he, if he knows, if he knows why we, if if he knows what we're gonna say before we say it, what's the point? And to be frank, I've I've asked questions like that before. I'm like, you know, if God just knows everything, I don't need to pray. Like, God's gonna do whether I like it or not. But this is the thing, though. God has ordained that it was through, it's through our prayers that His divine will will be done. God has said that it is through the prayers of his people that he will move. And that's such a great joy because we know, like, when I think of it, right, it's, it's just kind of like mind-boggling because it's just like an evangelism. Like, okay, can, can God show his word in the skies and let everyone see his word for what it is? Can God preach the gospel Without men, yes. Can God preach the gospel without using me and you, me or you? Of course. There's nothing beyond His power. But God has chosen the foolishness of man, the foolishness of preaching, to reach His people. And so, in prayer, also, God has chosen that His will will be done in our prayers, through our prayers, that He will work through our prayers. And uh, we pray because we follow the example of Jesus who prayed. 
so many instances in the Bible we, we hear about God, I mean, Jesus, God, Jesus, praying, going to a solitary place and praying. Before, he, before Jesus picked his 12 disciples in Luke 12, he prayed. And when, when he was even going to the cross, he prayed. Like, so if Jesus sets that example for us, then who are we to hold back and not pray? And uh, I just want to share like, the, power, the, the power of God in, in prayer, even in my life and in, in history and what God is doing. Um, so I came from, for, you know, I was born in Nigeria, and there was, there was this period we were being ruled by a military regime, uh, General Sonny Abacha, and um, things weren't going well because this, this was a di- dictator that had his own will, his own power, and he had the, the power to, to take resources and to... To let it go as, as he wishes. And so there was a time, the period where the country was, was really hurting, and even we were hurting, my family. My dad has been here since 1994, and I didn't come here till 2007. But my dad would come home like, came home five times during uh, however long, 13, 14 years. But there was this time we were really, really hurting, and there was like really no food. Like there was everything you had then, you try to keep for yourself. Every resources you had, you try to just keep it because you don't know what's going to happen. My mom was a teacher in Nigeria. She taught biology, and they these people weren't paid. My mom wasn't paid for like six months, and so it was just it was just really tight. And I remember my mom just saying, "Okay." You know, she tried to, like, put into us that God can do anything. And so we would go in the house and, you know, sometimes we'd lock ourselves in the door, like, for, like, a day or two and just, and just keep praying, like, and just, like, God, we seek your face. You know, we're, we cannot do anything. You're your only help. You're only hope, you know. And just in the midst of hunger and thirst, and it was just, like, God was the only hope we had then. And I remember there was one particular time that... We were such in desperate need that we just, we just, I was, I was mad. Like, and I was, in, I was a nine-year-old, you know, starving. And I was just like, like, why is this going on? And we prayed, and the next day, it was just weird, because someone came over and, and like, oh, uh, we just thought about you guys, and so they gave us money to go purchase food. Food was expensive. So you had like, you need, you need to have like, crazy money to like go buy food for even your family and that was my first like that I can remember like the power of God in prayer like wow like here we're praying and we're like I was despairing and God just like just opened doors from someone we didn't know and then the following like not so far after that my uncle it came he called my mom and even back then, telephone, you had to go to someone's house that has a telephone to use a telephone. It wasn't like we have it now where you could call anyone anywhere in the world. And he, you know, you know, he called the person and they reached for my mom. And it was like, yeah, I just felt like God was just putting you on my heart. And he was like, are you okay? And my mom was like, 
no, not really. And she told him, and he, he drove there that day, brought us food, brought us money. And so like, we went, I went from, from, from hunger to, to being really filled. And, and then I knew I, I couldn't eat everything, because <laughs> who knows? But God has been providing for us, even in the midst of, of bad times and in the midst of hunger. And God, I just want to testify that God is faithful and, and he moves in prayer. I also want to share with you about a story about uh, uh, a church I went to when I was about, about that age, 9 or 10. So this was not, this was a church I went to because it was close to our house. Uh, the, the real church we went to was like maybe 10 miles away. But I, you know, I went to this church and they gave me, they gave me a cartoon to a collar and that just made me love the church. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this church, mom. So my mom would let us go like every, like every Wednesdays. They had like their midweek service and she would let us go. And, and it's so funny. This, this man of God was like the major, the, this congregation, like half of them were like kids like me. That just we loved the cartoon he gave us and just <laughs> just showed up to his church, and so there was a time where the city that I lived in, the city I lived in was was half Christian, half Muslim, but the the Islam culture was kind of mixed with like some some spiritual mysticism that you know just some some just weird weird stuff. And they, they sent um, him a letter saying, hey, look, we don't want you here anymore. You know, you're being, you're, you're disturbing us, so you need to go. <laughs> and they, they threatened to give us like amount of days. And the pastor, which I really appreciate, even how, he didn't care that we were this young. He just told the church, he's like, hey guys, you know, they're kicking us out. And, and my, my nine-year-old, ten-year-old mind, I freaked out. I was like, where am I going to get my cartoons from, you know? <laughs> like, oh man, this world is going to end if, if I don't get these things to color. <laughs> and uh, so we, we started praying, and like, you know, wait. And in Nigeria, when we, we pray like one voice where everyone just like, just like screams and just lays all their frustrations before God. And um, not too long after that, the city called, you know, my, the pastor and said, okay, we still want you gone, but we won't destroy this church. So they gave us, like, amount of time, like, days to, like, find somewhere to relocate to. And so, you know, I was just, I was so glad that God in that time even, even interfered in, in the affairs of, of, the, of his church. And that was another... That was another highlight of my life because I've seen how they tear up churches and they don't care if you're in the church or not. And, you know, when I hear about um, what's happening to Silent at Guashavano, and I, it's real. Like, I don't think we have an idea what it's actually like. They come and destroy the building and anyone that's in there gets, gets hurt. And so for, for the peace to come and for, us, for them to, like, Disperses, you know, peacefully. That was that was an answer to prayer. Let's. Uh, I think I'm almost beyond my time here. 
Um, in closing, in closing, um, let's read verses 12 to 17. Um, I'll, I'll start from verse 14. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, that means Rhoda, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. And Peter kept knocking. And here, here I want to address even our own attitude uh, as we pray. Do we believe God answers prayers? Do we believe prayer makes a difference? Do we believe that, that God actually moves? Because if we don't believe that, then we won't be able to pray. What goes on in our, on our minds when we pray? Do we choose to go with the status quo of whatever the situation is? And say, oh, okay, yeah, it's, it's what's happening. Nah. That's not gonna. This, nothing's gonna change. Like, it's it's. You know, we say, oh, the war is coming to an end. Yeah, it'll just go worse from this. And I just think that God wants us. He doesn't. God wants us to, even if the war is going to an end, not to have that kind of attitude of just surrendering to the status quo. God wants us, as a body of Christ, to stand up, to reach out. In prayer and in faith, the Bible says the effectual prayer of the righteous availeth much. So I just want to encourage us, those who have been praying and haven't seen any result, just keep praying. There's nowhere in the Bible that says we should stop praying when things don't, don't, come, don't come to us. And we can even learn from these people. These people, this church that we're praying for Peter's release... And when they saw Peter, when they saw, heard Peter came, they didn't believe. These people were also the people that watched James be killed. And I bet you that these guys were praying for James. They were praying. And so even when James was killed, they still persevered and they still kept praying. I never know why God does things. We're... You know, God, God doesn't need to explain to anyone what he does. He is God and God alone. But I never know why God lets some things happen and some things not happen. It's, it's not in my own power or will to judge God. Because, he, like I said, he does whatever he wants. And he is, it's not out of selfish ambition or out of pride that God does whatever he does. It's out of holy, righteous, and just character. And when we come to God, we must come to God in faith. The Bible says, pray without ceasing, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Arsis Farrar says, people who don't believe prayer, prayer matters or works, are simply people who don't pray with any degree of regularity or any degree of intensity, because there's, not, there's no more wonderful confirmation of the providential provision of God in our lives than that which comes from watching God answer prayer. And God has, God has been faithful, and I'm, I, I'm sure that God has worked in so many of us in our lives 
and he has answered prayers. And uh, especially in this country and what's, what's happening, let us be a people that would be on our knees and ask God for help before we comment on Facebook. I'm guilty of that. Let us be a people that before we, we voice our frustration to the things happening in this world, they would be on our knees earnestly praying that God's kingdom will come and that his will will be done. And so I don't mean to, I hope this has been encouraging. I don't mean to, to tell you what you're doing wrong or tell us what we're doing wrong. This is not my intention, but it's, it's a privilege that God, that Jesus prays for us. And that, that is a comforting thing and the hope that we have in Jesus. You know, the book of Hebrews says that we have a high priest that sympathizes with our weakness and, and make, makes intercession, intercessions for us. And so uh, this morning I'm going to have to call up uh, Remain to, to lead us in prayer and just ask that God would give us a burden, a desire to seek, to seek him in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for using Yemi to remind us of your love for us and your faithfulness, of, of your goodness, of your power. Father, I thank you that you call us your own and that you desire for us to walk in your ways. I thank you, Father, that you've given us the privilege to work with you to bring about the desires of your heart as you put those desires in ours. Father, I thank you that you give us your words to speak, words of life and not death, blessing and not cursing. Father, I thank you that you show us that our prayers do avail much and that they can change the circumstances around us and that they can change people's hearts and our own hearts. Father, I thank you that you say that we should come boldly to the throne of grace. I thank you that you remind us that our relationship with you is of utmost importance. And as we know who you are and who we are in you, we can come boldly to the throne of grace because of the sacrifice of Jesus who made, paid the price for our sins and made the way to be one with you. Father, I thank you that you're bringing to our attention that we're just not little pawns on this earth, but that we are mighty warriors for you, that you have called us to stand up and take righteous stands against injustice, to take righteous stands against evil. And Father, we do that. We do that tangibly, but we do that through the power of prayer. Father, I thank you that prayer does avail much. And right now, I just want to pray over all of us who've maybe been discouraged or where the enemy is lying to us or the enemy is keeping us from, from praying. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind up any demonic forces that would keep us from walking in the, the way of prayer, from keeping us from taking time to, prayer, to pray, keeping us from um, acknowledging that you are working on our behalf. I bind up any lying spirits, anything that would discourage us from reaching out and walking with you in prayer. Father, I thank you that you revive us with your prayer, that there is peace and rest in your presence. And I thank you, Father, that you say that your house shall be a house of prayer for all people. And Father, I thank you that 
we want this to be a house of prayer. We want to walk with you. We want to pray and be your hands and feet and mouths on this earth. We want to bring about the changes that you want. So, Father, I thank you for the power, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that's within us, that we can speak it out, speak your word out in power and might. So, Father, I ask that you would give us the heart that you would want us to have. Make this a place of prayer. Make this church, make Mercy Hill a house of prayer for all peoples, for all nations. And, Lord, we're trusting you to put that on our hearts. We can't force ourselves, but we ask that by your grace, you would give us that desire, your desire, Lord. And we thank you for doing that work in each of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.